You're listening to the North Country Conservation Series. I am your host, Whitney Lewis, from the Coas County Conservation District. Join me as we explore local conservation-based careers in forestry, wildlife, fisheries, conservation law enforcement, soil science, agriculture, and many more. Follow along as we investigate these careers, examine relationships and impacts, reflect on the history of Coas County, and discover what conservation is and why it's truly important as we look towards the future. All right, welcome back everybody to the North Country Conservation Series. I am your host, Whitney Lewis from the Coas County Conservation District. We are here with Andy Schaefer-Meyer from New Hampshire Fish and Game as the fisheries biologist. Dave Falkenham from Landvest, and he is a forester for New Hampshire and Vermont. And also Lieutenant, excuse me, retired Lieutenant Wayne Saunders from New Hampshire Fish and Game, Operation Game Thief, Thief, and the hit podcast series Warden's Watch. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Once Thank a lieutenant, you. always a lieutenant. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are back again. Thank you so much. We're, we're on part three now. We're going to be reflecting on the history of Coas County. So we're going to be getting into talking about the history of our forests, the history of wildlife populations and fishery populations, working with other agencies in Coas, and also the biggest impacts on, on Coas and what we see for our future. So we're going to get started. Dave, you're our first person to talk about and reflect on the history of our forests and the importance of logging over the last century. Um, it, I know it's hard to believe um, if, if you're not in the woods a lot, um, but there's very few places in, in New Hampshire and New England, really, that were not either farmed or logged at one point in time. And I'm talking about the highest elevations, the most remote places, the places that I find old bulldoze logging roads are unbelievable. Um, so at one point, um, the, everything was cut. And if you think about things that were used, that wood was used for, from to make dowels, bobbins, boxes, all these things that are now made out of cardboard, which is also a wood product. Um, but there were so many products being made by wood that we were just logging and logging and logging and that also was you know there were large population booms in the country we were you know there was building 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 um so they really the the timber barons that owned most of the land did a lot of heavy logging this is going back you know 200 years ago and then um in the early 1900s the weeks act got signed into into action and um a lot of those lands were purchased by the the federal government the white mountain national forest is what it became and all of a sudden we started to think more in terms of you know conservation and the things we've been talking about and not just you know logging for the sake of logging and logging for the sake of products so logging is still extremely important but nowadays we have management plans we have owners multiple owners with multiple different um, objectives on their land and then we have um, you know tremendous recreational demands on the land as well that have to mix and mingle with logging and so forth and so it's it's gotten much more controlled much more managed um, it's a managed situation um, logging is extremely important um, it's a great profession um, in my time it's it's gone from uh, most mostly chainsaws, mm -hmm. um, and now it's it's mostly mechanized. When I started 25 years ago, mechanized operations were happening, but they were about 50-50, and right. now it's a mostly mechanized. So you actually now have rather than 
you know, in the old days, or the old days, yeah, right. The um, when I graduated high school, you know, a lot of guys went in the woods with a chainsaw, and before yep. that, people went to the woods with a pickup, a chainsaw, and a log loader. And um, it's a little harder with with the way production is now to do that. So we had many, many, many people on the landscape logging mm-hmm. um, for themselves or for small companies and so forth. Now we tend to have a much more efficient logging uh, infrastructure. We have fewer people. Um, producing the same amount of wood is just a much more efficient, a lot of mechanized logging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, horse horse logging is, is done and over with. That's, you know, if, if you see horse logging, it's usually a hobby. Somebody has horses, he yeah. enjoys cutting trees, he enjoys cutting firewood, um, he enjoys working his horses, so that's what he does. But it's, it's largely a hobby um, to chainsaws and skitters. And, um, and when I started, it was about a 50-50 break between mechanized and chainsaws and skitters and then i would say now it's 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 98 percent mechanized there's still a lot of guys out in fact i have a timber sale going on right now that's um chainsaws and skitters it's kind of fun you know i get to hear the buzz of a chainsaw again Mm -hmm. um and not the constant whine of equipment Um, (laughs) just going 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 Mm -hmm. going production is higher and you have to work when you're working in a force management position you have to understand that higher production capacity right. um, and realize what they can do in a day is far greater than what anyone ever could do in a day or a week or whatever. Absolutely. Um, so we tailored our, we, we tailored how we lay out timber sales, um, where forest products um, go, where the majority of our forest products, you know, go to generally mm-hmm. sawmills now for basically building supplies yeah. um, and then paper products as well. Absolutely. So it's there's it's a much greater you have that in mix with your your recreation capacity um, and it's a much sort of broader scope to logging. Very few logging operations happen on land that isn't going to be touched by somebody else doing something else. Okay. Um, so it's it's just kind of a broader view. Um, yeah. It's fun to work with. Um, Absolutely. It's fun to teach people about. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. And we're not driving logs down the river anymore, which might have taken some of the fun out of it. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. But it's probably a little better for the environment. (laughs) Yes. Maybe just a tad. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Wayne, can you reflect and explain uh, the wildlife population fluctuations in their habitats over the last century? What have you seen? I've seen the rise and fall of moose which is probably the most significant population variation, yeah, that, that ever was in a short tenure, really, because it, it wasn't that long. Um, yeah. You know, I, I remember the first game wardens talking about seeing their first moose up in uh, Dix's Grant or mm-hmm. the College Grant and how it just it exploded a population, partially because of logging. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a lot of food that was available for that moose population. So all that new growth generated a lot of food for the moose. Uh, so the population just exploded and it was, it was a pretty awesome thing. Uh, for game wardens especially and for biologists and everything but people came to the north country to Coas County to see moose mm-hmm. it was a thing we had our moose alley in Pittsburgh we you know it was for starting my day this is one thing I almost could count on when I first came on was I had to pick up a dead moose somewhere so I would grab my trailer find out where the moose got hit the night before and then mm-hmm. I would go pick him up and then I have to dispose of them and, and that type of thing. But that was a daily occurrence for me when I first came on wow. in the Colebrook area. 
Uh, and, and then to go and be there, uh, sadly, for the demise of Muth with Winter Tick. And I remember the year that we got calls like a lot. And I think we killed 13 moose that oh. hadn't moved in almost a week. And when you shot oh. them, they didn't bleed. There was no blood because oh all the tick goodness. infestation had sucked them out. And I remember Will Stats uh, doing necropsy on one. And Love Will. Awesome yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. And he was, he's like, I think there's a pint of blood in this moose. You know, and thank God Will wanted to do it because I wasn't getting close to that thing. It was moving. There was ticks all over it. And, you know, <laughs> that will crawl in there with those ticks and, you know, do his necropsy and figure it out. Yeah, I don't think there's a pint left in this moose. Very gross. Uh, and that year, I remember, I, I just, and you think about, these are the ones that are roadside or close to people's houses. How many moose are doing that in the woods that are just standing there yeah. until they die? Because, I mean, we would try to let them go as long as we could. But after three or four days of not moving, they'd lean up against the tree and just stand there. Well, they can't eat. They can't fend for themselves. It, it just be horrible. slow suffering death. Absolutely horrible. So we put them out of their misery. And, and to shoot an animal and not even see it bleed, just to tip over. And, yeah. you know, it was, um, yeah. And, and a moose is one of my favorite things as a game warden to enforce the laws on. It was so busy in the North Country. As a game warden, it's the only time I've ever had calls pending. Yeah. And meaning that I had, I had to like three places to be at the same time. Wow. Because there was cases. People were shooting two moose at a time. They were, you know, the, the, we had an evaluation on a sick moose, and it wasn't that sick. It was, uh, it was okay at a harvest, and the next thing I know, uh, somebody shot it, but they didn't want to tag it <laughs> because, it, you know, and I'm like, no, I've already done an evaluation on that moose. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to tag it, and you should have yeah. never shot a moose if you didn't plan on tagging Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, call first, you know, before yeah. you shoot it. Um, yeah, that wow. didn't make any sense to me, but, you know, that year we had uh, calls pending. I, I had, like, three calls that we had to get to. Wow. Back, back in the heyday, when the registration stations themselves, which mm -hmm. I used to work at, they were, they, it was a social event. Uh, was, they, was they, a there would often be five or six moose, harvested moose, waiting to be processed. Uh, you know, guys standing around with cameras. Usually the newspaper was usually there. Uh, there were five or six biologists at each station just to handle the workload. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, and that, that, I remember fondly. I remember that very we to, fondly. We used to drive oh. up to Pittsburgh. I used to grab my dad and go up to Pittsburgh just to check out the moose station. Sure. It sounds, you know, like <laughs> no, it was many redneck entertainment, but it was like, it was People used really to stay at the cool. moose check station all day. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. They'd bring absolutely. their kids. And you'd see, you know, they'd check in this great, you know, big one. And the next one was bigger. Yeah. <laughs> or, you'd, or you'd see them checking in and they're like, oh, wow, look at that. And you go down, th you know, three or four moose down the road. And they're like, wait until they get to this one. Yeah. yeah. Just enormous. It was uh, lots of fun. And, and yeah. you, you would have fun with it, too. Will would have his chart up there on how many dentist jokes he had because he's pulling teeth out of the moose. Yeah. You know, and then, he, you know, dentist jokes. And it would be hash marks underneath how many he had. Yeah. Um, or or the, to the question of the day. Or Will, Will was a good entertainer in that sense. Yeah. But the process <laughs> itself was entertaining. And it was ex it was really exciting. Uh, and it was new, you know. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like it, our grandfathers used to do that. It was something right. that no one had ever done before. <coughs> Very fun. And the other neat thing was um, was finding shed antlers. So the moose mm. annually drop their antlers. They grow them, drop them every year. It's actually one of the fastest known growing animal <laughs> tissue, and they get bigger every year. But you, it just at work. I didn't even go a lot of my way to look for them. He, guys like Will Stats and so forth hunt for them. I just kick them up at work, and I just I, all of a sudden well, I had this collection. Of, of moose antlers, was and then all of a sudden it's like, 
I don't know what to do with all these. Was things. it was it true <laughs> that your dog was, would also find a lot? Yeah, my dogs would find That's awesome. several deer antlers too. I'd look over and I'd see me walking around <laughs> with, trying not to make <laughs> eye contact with me because he had this huge deer antlers. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> I actually, I uh, one of my dogs dug dug it out of about a foot of snow, and he was older and he was not a digger. And all of a sudden, he started digging, 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 digging. I'm like, what is Hunter doing? Like, what are you? I'm thinking body you know I'm, think, <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking i'm making a call to wayne at some yeah. point cause yeah you never know what's buried in the north country yeah <laughs> i was like this might not be well next thing you know here comes this the butt end of a, of a moose antler oh about my two feet down in the snow what a good wow. dog and yeah. uh, he actually got my lunch that day i, I don't blame you rewarded him I, I would give him my lunch too and absolutely uh, yeah but you just don't even the guys who look for them don't find moose antlers anymore it's just absolutely. it's not even yeah. worth yep. yeah. bothering with Absolutely. Nope. No, it's it's sad actually. It's I, I, I'm sad about it because it was it was a North Country thing, and yeah. you know although we still have a moose population and we still see moose, it's nothing to the degree it was. And I think it sounds like every one of us enjoyed that part of it. Absolutely, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So talking, we talked about moose and more of the wildlife side. Andy, so let's flip over to the the fisheries side. So tell me a little bit about the fisheries population and fluctuations that you've seen over the the century. Okay, uh, that'll be pretty easy if we're talking specifically about New Hampshire because uh, our fisheries resources really have not changed very much in the last hundred years. You know, even in the face, David mentioned, you know, log driving and things like that. There were probably periods where, uh, you know, they suffered a little bit. But for the most part... um, and it's based strictly on on habitat here in New England. It's remained intact. So, you know, our cold water fisheries are are abundant, uh, mm-hmm. whereas in other parts of New England, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, places right. like that, they're disappearing, uh, primarily because of loss of habitat, human yep. encroachment, things like that. Here in New Hampshire, we're we're very lucky that our our fisheries resources have, for the most part, uh, maintained themselves, stayed the same. Uh, you know, a couple of, of sad story examples would be. Uh, anadromous fish like the Atlantic salmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Atlantic salmon doesn't return to New Hampshire rivers it, nearly in the numbers that it used to. Um, so, so, so that's kind of a kind of a sad story. But uh, it can't necessarily be blamed on loss of, habit, loss of habitat here in New Hampshire as much as things that were taking place in the ocean, which you have very little control over. Right. Uh, so Atlantic salmon is one sad example. But uh, a, a positive note would be certain species of warm water fish are are flourishing at levels greater than they were 100 years ago. Uh, and that's primarily because of climate change. Uh, our water temperatures are warming a little bit. Uh, and let's just take smallmouth bass, for example. They've been expanding their range in our country eastward for as long as we've been tracking them, really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their numbers have increased. They're exploiting habitats. And for the most part, people are okay with that. Nobody wants to see, you know, a smallmouth when they're, when they're, when they're fly fishing for trout. Sometimes that bothers people. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but for the most part, they've they've reached an equilibrium. Uh, with cold and warm water fish. We have two tier fisheries. Uh, species like uh, walleye and northern pike that that weren't popular game fish in the past have become popular game fish now. Uh, a species that I grew up learning how to fish in the Midwest was black crappie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, e- as recently as 20 years ago, nobody fished for them here in New Hampshire. Uh, but they they exist now and they're targeted uh, and they're they're fun. They're a good sport fishery. Yeah. So from a fishery standpoint, um, things things are mostly positive good uh, that's look, good looking back over the, in, in fact maybe better you know uh water's cleaner than it used to be uh there's you know that there's more regulations in place as far as everything industry 
uh, septic systems. I mean, things things are better for a lot for of advancements. Aquatic ecosystems now than they used to be. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll we'll give we'll check that one in the positive column. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So uh, I'll go next to to Wayne. So can you tell me a little bit an introduction? So. We did talk about maybe a little bit of working with other agencies. You've mentioned how you work with Andy, work with Dave. Can you explain the real true importance of working with these other agencies and give me more of an example of maybe on something that three of you work together on? Wow. Well, you're always a force multiplier when uh, <laughs> you, you, you work together for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, and some of it's needed. Uh, we've uh, pulled nets with Andy before when they need help. Andy has stocked fish for us when we need help. Uh, Dave, Dave works on a larger scale usually, although if I needed any information maps information wise or, information. Yeah, yeah, just walk down to his office, hey Dave, what do you think about this? How do I get here? How do I go there? What's there? What's how? He'd pull out, back then he'd pull out his big maps and he'd, he'd show me where to go, what to do and how to do it. And it's just so much easier, you're so much more efficient by bringing these expertise into it. And it's North Country expertise. We've all been here for 20 plus years. Right. So you're bringing in such an expertise Absolutely. to it. And, and again, it's fun to work with other people. We have a good relationship. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's the best. I, I really, I really get it. I always appreciated everybody I worked with and what they brought to the table. Did I pick up everything off the table? Not always, but you know, yeah. and neither did they with me. But well, now might be a good time to discuss the great deer case that you and I made together. Oh, <laughs> um, that is a great deer two, case. Two years, about two years before you retired, maybe more than that, three years before you retired. This is just a great example of, mm. of not only how we work together, but how each of our areas of expertise collided in just the right way. So I was registering deer at a deer check station in northern New Hampshire, and a guy brought deer in that he had recently harvested. And most of my job there is to collect biological data, but also the registration form, is it's a legal document, and it's how the law enforcement goes back back to investigate something that they weren't a part of. They right. look at the sheet, they, they go off of my information. So throughout the course of this uh, investigation to the deer, I was looking at its teeth to trying to determine an age, and I found corn in its mouth. And uh, uh -oh. pr pretty quickly <laughs> pretty quickly knew that I was dealing with something um, that, that wasn't legal. So I, I didn't make a big stink about it. I, I You know, I didn't frighten the guys or push them away. Right. Uh, but I was on the phone to Wayne immediately. And he asked uh, the right questions. Yeah. He asked oh. the questions. He's like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, where'd you get this deer? Oh, in a cornfield. And then he asked, well, where? And then he's like, describe someplace there isn't even a cornfield because Andy lives in Lancaster where it was right. shot. He, and I, yeah, I didn't let on. He said, yeah. uh, he specifically said, do you know Page Hill? And I said, yeah, I know it a little bit. And he said, it's in those cornfields up there. You were leading him on. And I just said, okay, no yeah. problem. Uh, you know, asked him if uh, he had been baiting, and he said no. Uh, but then what was great was that uh, I, I knew this was coming to a head uh, law-wise, so I, I, I gathered more information than I thought I would need, gave it to Wayne, and uh, watching Wayne put the hammer down was just awesome. Um, I don't know if we should go into all the details, but he, he threatened to take, <laughs> the, guy, he threatened to take the guy's truck. Uh, I, I mean, immediately he let this guy know that we had him. And it was right. it was time to confess. He did no wiggle room. Or I, th I think you drove to his house yeah. and told him that you were right on the cusp of taking uh, his vehicle. Yeah, uh, and no, I, I would have took his vehicle. It was his house that was in jeopardy too. Oh, because nice. when, when we got there, me and Glenn Lucas who was an officer at the time. We pull up to his house, and immediately I can see where the deer's been killed. There's a big pile of corn there, and yeah. you can see where the deer's been shot. Well, you know what is pointing at that corn is the big light from his house. 
Was this on Northwood's Law? <laughs> no, no, it was no? prior okay. to Northwood's <laughs> Law, but <laughs> it's a very similar case. Yeah. Great, great example. Of so, and, and we were there when the guy pulled up in his nice, brand new 2500 GMC. Something that I just couldn't get out. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Me and he had that deer, deer in the back. And people, if, if you watch Northwood's Law, people lie. Oh, it's absolutely. Lie, 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 and I just got sick of it. And I knew, I knew what was done. And I, I basically told them, and I said, you know, your truck's coming with me. That that that's a given. I said, I've never taken a house before, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> oh I'm gonna try. <laughs> so, because we can take, we can seize for evidence anything right. that's involved, and that can be awarded after the fact. Well, okay. I've taken a few trucks that actually GMC owns because if you have a payment on your truck, you don't really own that. Yeah. So that's a pain in the butt <laughs> for them and for me usually. Yeah, sure. Sounds it. The one truck I seized that a guy actually owned, it, it was a piece of junk that was probably worth $200. And yeah, yeah that was that stayed in lockup for a long time because he didn't want it back. <laughs> so <laughs> He's he like, did. thank you for taking it away. Uh, another pain in my butt. So. <laughs> but, but this was a nice truck, and I don't know if he I, owned it at the time, but that was part – you know, I just I just got fed up, and I did. I put the oh, hammer down to him, and I said, you know, if you continue lying, this is the way it's going to go. I'm going to use every resource in my power to, you know, make this case happen. I'm going to present it to the judge, and you, you may lose your truck. You may lose your house because those are the things that we can take. Wow. Um, I just did a podcast from Canada with, with a guy from Canada, Sean uh, Crodsbury, and I always hear the stories about the Canadians when they take everything from them and they put them back over the border and they're in their tidy whities you know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, and I brought that up to him, and he's yeah. like, you know, because that's what I hear. I mean, guys go up there, they violate, and they do the same thing we do. They seize all the evidence. Well, if you use that truck to shine that deer or if you use that truck to transport mm. that deer, it's evidence, so it gets seized. So how do they get across the border again? Who knows? Who cares? Not my problem. Mm -hmm. So when he incorporated the house with the spotlight from the house, I've never stretched it that far, but I was going to try. I, yeah. I just, I really was. And I think he knew I was going to try because yeah, as you serious. can tell when I'm, you know, when I'm convicted, I, I usually state my mind and I he tell did. him. Did. So then we came to a negotiation. He told me the truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we dealt with it from there. but uh, wow. And that happens quite often uh, in cases. Sure. You probably see it on Northwoods Law all the time. But, yeah, but Andy started that case. And, again, working together um, awesome. and giving us, you know, that, that's great. He gave us information that the normal person wouldn't give us. Absolutely. Because of his expertise. For sure. Uh, and, and his knowledge of the land. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know those corn, hill, corn fields on Page Hill? <laughs> There's no corn fields <laughs> on Page Hill. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know those. Um. No. <laughs> no. That's awesome. Very that fond memory. For yes, sure. that that's was fun. an awesome case. Yeah. Absol Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a great example. And, and Dave, would you like to add something in maybe like around when Wayne first, first started? This was a way of working together, but in a a different type of I'm, I don't atmosphere? think I've ever turned anything <laughs> into you. I've turned an illegal – I found an illegal moose because we're in the woods, you know, yeah, a lot. Doing a lot. And when all of a sudden you find a moose killed in, I don't know, pick a month, February, yeah. <laughs> you know something's off. Right. Um, and it's not just, I mean, it's, it's not just laying dead on the ground. I mean, that's normal, but it's processed in, yep. in, in some, all of a sudden some find some funky, you know, podunk, you know, ramshackled place. And all of a sudden there's moose process and it's not like old skulls. I mean, this is fresh. Right. Um, I've turned that into the CEOs. And, and the nice thing, too, is we're usually carrying a GPS unit, and I can usually yes. email them. Oh, uh, that's nice. Um, yeah. So one of one of Wayne's counterparts in Grafton County, I've, um, yeah. um, Greg, yeah. I, I've, I've, I've emailed him map 
with, with the location. I found this here. Yeah. And for my own personal safety, I didn't dig too deep, but I know illegal when I see it. Mm-hmm. I know fishy when I smell it. So. Right. Just check it in. He'd get on it. I think twice I sent him stuff because I was always, you know, out with my dogs or or doing work, whatever, when I was a county forester. And yeah, bringing that expertise into it again and, and, and vice versa. If I, you know, I roll up to Fish Pond and I see a bunch of dead fish, I call Andy. I'm like, hey, Andy, it's a bunch of dead fish at Fish Pond. We just stocked it the other day. Might yeah. be an oxygen issue, but that's all my expertise. <laughs> it's all yours. See ya. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. it, it's also worth mentioning that it went beyond our, our work responsibilities. I'm, I've, I've been to Wayne's house 8 million times. Uh, we used to have Super Bowl parties at right. your house. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah. That sounds outside exciting. Our, well, I mean, we fish together. Uh, <laughs> we, we spend a lot of time together outside the job, and it, it all centers around our love for the type of stuff we do. Absolutely. So. For, for sure. And uh, a little off topic, but somewhat on topic, and I just have to bring this up, Dave, because you mentioned it to me before, and I think you know where I may be going uh, with this. So uh, as you guys work together, um, tell me how your relationship kind of grew when you guys worked together, but in a different way. So tell me about your, your episode that you had with Wayne up in oh, uh, Wayne? Stream. Yeah, sure. Okay. You remember that, <laughs> you remember that Wayne? Uh, it's coming back to me now, Dave. <laughs> oh, boy. You, you were, we, were, we were wee lads at the time. Uh, we were lads. Yes. I was very new. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I think you were established. I don't think you were in training, but you were. With I was your, established, but I was new. You were with your senior officer. <laughs> yeah. And so often, what? Um, so I was working for the Division of Forest and Lands. I forgot all about that. You know, I don't. <laughs> just had to bring it up. Often, Tell us the story. We want to hear. I knew you were going. Well, I thought it was going to be the most embarrassing moment, which this might have been. <laughs> um, so often, when we work for the state. I managed the National Forest, which is a very large property. I managed multiple ones, and sometimes we would have to take people on snowmobile tours. Um, and so forth, just to, to see it. Because you can actually get more places on a snow machine mm-hmm. than Absolutely. you can on a car. Because some roads you can't drive in the summer in a vehicle. Um, and there was, you know, people just, they like doing that sort of thing. Well, we had to pull together a bunch of sleds. So so we, we were in, it was Fishing Game, um, Forest and Lands, Extension, and Parks. So Trails Bureau. And they had a bunch of sleds. So um, i trying to think of who was in charge there at the time. But um, a- anyway. They pulled a bunch of sleds together. Well, they, p- for some reason, they put me on the fastest one. <laughs> and back, this was a What's while ago. This was exciting. a while ago. They weren't, weren't even fast compared to what. I don't think he was used to a fast sled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I don't know if you've been up Nash Stream Road, but there's some straightaways that you can get a pretty good speed. And so I said, man, I came around a corner and I said, well, let's see what this thing can do. By and natural. It's natural. You just have to see. I forgot about this. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly the Don't throttle hit the handle and yeah. the speedometer started just screaming up. And I'm like, wow, this thing can really. And just about the point I started to get like, okay, this is enough. I'm going to back off now. If I If I could get. <laughs> Suddenly Don's over, hey, I could get killed doing this. I came around a corner and there's Dwayne Saunders with his speed gun. <laughs> with his radar <laughs> oh, gun. Oh, no. And his boss. <laughs> Timing is everything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> state employee, state sled. Good times. Uh, I think it was a hundred dollar, hundred twenty dollar fine. Oh. But Wayne, you, you gave him the ticket. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. Were, Wayne, were you a little surprised when he took his helmet off to see that it was him? Oh, he didn't have to take his helmet off. I knew <laughs> he he got, we got close enough. So <laughs> I think the seal. I think the state seal was probably yeah. on was the seal. Oh slide. no! <laughs> yeah, that's the. the you, you couldn't cut him a break. I mean, he's your buddy. <laughs> 
like you said, when your boss is there, there's His not a whole lot of slack right that there there. is. <laughs> not a whole lot His of boss slack was given. Right there. That's <laughs> when I knew I was fried. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Do you I'm think not even going to try to talk my way out of this. <laughs> now, did you learn from that experience, Dave? <laughs> I don't ride snow machines a lot. So yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it frightened you <laughs> away. <Doesn't>. Yeah. <laughs> right? I only ski now. Oh. Yeah. Nice. That's I just, a good thing, Dave. I, Absolutely. I just had yeah. to bring that up. <laughs> There's yeah. a rocket engine somewhere. I I'm found I'm glad it. you did bring that up with me. I would have forgotten about that. Oh, I, was, okay. I was there at the time. Not, I was not with them at the time, but In the, the, the stories around the office were great. And I can mm. tell you, it went. It, it took a long time to get around the office. Yeah, not. <laughs> no, like, no. Within seconds, it was like it was, everyone It was before office. information was posted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess there what was, happened there today? was no, I don't, I don't know, maybe we had email. I, it, you know, it wasn't, but it was yeah. like. I don't think we had email. I don't think we did. Wow. It was, yeah. It was around the coffee pot. <laughs> it was the water cooler. Sometimes those are the best stories, though. They make work interesting and entertaining, and, you know, things happen, and you learn from them. You learn from them, and that's, that's a good thing, right? Agreed. The, um, <laughs> for good, uh, I got phone calls from trails that night. Did you do what on my sled? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, this was many, many years ago. So yeah, this is <laughs> Wayne and I are laughing it off. Yeah. Absolutely. 20 plus, I bet. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was... I was brand new to the state, pretty pretty new, and it was probably it was like, oh, we're going on snowmobiles for the day, you know, woohoo! I don't blame like, you. I'd be excited too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of neat, and um, you know, you're used to like snowshoeing all day long out in the freezing cold. Or Big difference. Cruising or doing something else, but it's like, oh, we're going to be on snow machines. Hey, we get to have a good time. Absolutely. Oh, that's great <laughs> for the most part. For sure, for sure. So all day long, I'm like, maybe he'll rip it up. Maybe. <laughs> All right, let's bring it back to the, the history aspect. So um, I'm going to ask each of you this, this question. So I want you to discuss the biggest impact on our forests, wildlife, and fisheries in Coas County. So Andy, go ahead, take it away. Sure, and I uh, will appropriately discuss the fisheries side of that. Uh, as I mentioned before, um, you know, the, the impacts on our fisheries here in Coas County have not been great, and, and it's important to point out that we're very fortunate for that. Uh, we have some species that are, are very delicate, you know, and sensitive. Um, and, and the primary reason that, that we lose them in other parts of the country is loss of habitat. Um, and and that, that happens by, like I said, land use, uh, human encroachment, uh, sometimes, you know, environmental factors. There, there are a lot of different reasons. But loss of habitat is the number one reason why, why, why we lose animals. Um, and, and luckily here in Coas County, like I said, there hasn't been a lot of that. There have been changes in habitat, uh, but we haven't lost a lot. In fact, um, I, I can't list a fish species, you know, that was that was here, you know, 20 years ago and is not today or, or even is suffering that much. Um, and, and we keep really good track of all that stuff. So That's awesome. Again, fisheries are a positive note as far as that question goes. For sure. And, and as far as fisheries go, what's your favorite fish to, to actually go out and fish? To angle personally? Yeah. Uh, I'm proud to say I don't have one. Uh, I, I like different fishing approaches at different times of the year. For example, obviously, you know, uh, in December when things start to freeze up, I like to, to ice fish on the small ponds that freeze and jig perch. January 1st, it's all about lake trout. You know, mm -hmm. uh, once uh, May rolls around, it's all about fly casting for trout and salmon in our streams. You know, June and July, largemouth bass, you know, at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, September, you know, mi migrating salmon, you know, in, in Maine and places like that. Uh, and it's and it's cyclical. So, Absolutely. So I'm sorry if that was a, a 
long-winded answer. But no, that was a great answer. Uh, that's that's my theory. Thank you. I, I yeah. like it. It's cool. giving me some tips yeah, on what I should be looking for. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. I love it all. Absolutely. Dave, go ahead. Can you talk about the forestry aspect, uh, please? Yeah, I mean, as far as forests go, I kind of I have a tie for with two. And one is the changing use of our the really heavy uses we saw this year and how we're going to start managing those. So managing the people use on the land and still maintaining viable forests, viable wildlife populations, fish populations, and so forth, um, and, and managing that. And you're always going to have to manage people. Absolutely. Um, so that – and then those those fluxes of people on lands that – the private lands that they maybe even shouldn't be on, but they don't know that because, you know, they're not from around here. Some are fairly obvious. Things mm -hmm. like Connecticut Lakes is advertised. Nash Stream is advertised. The White Mountains, they know to go there, but, you know, they don't always know where they're not supposed to go. So – that's going to be an interesting managing um, that. And then the fragmentation, um, land ownership demographics uh, used Absolutely. to be, you know, it, it, back in the day, um, you know, so-and-so owned 200 acres and every people could hunt on it and, and whatever. Well, then so-and-so passes on to his family and they have different ideals or different ideas or they're from the city. So, you know, they cut all the timber and, and sell it or subdivided and so forth that's the nightmare right. that's the nightmare picture Absolutely. that doesn't always happen and that's um, where the easements come into play that's like where it's nice to have easements too. so i think managing both the, the people on the landscape um using using our conserved resources and then creating more conserved resources to go into that pool you know having land available that fragmentation which can also be summed up in the same sentence as uh, changing landowner demographics. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. You know, some landowners, it's even if even if they post their land, but it, they keep it as land. That, that, that's better than the alternative. Absolutely. Um, you know, not every landowner is going to keep the land open for everybody to just go on. Um, but the ones that really change, you know, like oh, I can subdivide now and and so forth. Um, I think those are going to be the biggest, and they always, they have been for a while, and I think it's going to continue that way. Absolutely. Um, things like climate change and so forth is a little harder to measure and figure out as far as forests go. Um, you can't, not much is going to change there. We, we still don't know the answer. Um, but I think managing the people on the landscape and managing our demographics. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Thank you. Wayne, what would you like to add to the wildlife aspect? Well, I'm going to kind of lead off what Dave does because that's what game wardens or conservation officers do. They kind of manage the animals, but they manage the people, uh, the law-wise. And I, I just think of my tenure for 23 years, like I, we talked about the moose population rising and falling. That's the moose violations rise and fall with that as well. Uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, snowmobiling was at its heyday. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Nash Stream, our record, we wrote 105 tickets and warnings in one weekend, a oh snowdio weekend. A snowdio that would, took place at a state park, uh, Coleman State Park, yep. would attract 10,000 snowmobilers. Yikes. 10,000 snowmobilers. That's a lot. That Especially is for a lot. Spot. And it's a lot to manage, too. For sure. When we'd bring up extra officers, extra people, uh, the accidents we covered, the fatals we covered in all kinds of inclement weather, whether it's snowing, it's cold, 
And that has kind of dropped off compared to the heyday, the snowmobiling, but we've seen the ATVs pick up. Yeah, the big uptick. Right. So uh, that is now increasing. Is it leveling off being the same? How is that changing? But we're still managing the people because of the violations that occur now. So uh, ATV violations versus snowmobile violations are probably pretty steady right now. They're probably very similar where snow machines in the late 90s, early 2000s were extremely heavy. Very few ATV violations because they had no access. Now they have access, I think you'd see that the, the amount of violations and the addressing of that violations is probably pretty even. So, and then with outdoor recreation, you're gonna see your, your search and rescue missions uptick as well. Absolutely. So there's a lot more pressure on today's game wardens, conservation officers in New Hampshire than there was 25 years ago. There's a lot more developing, there's a lot more. Back then you could take, uh, if you, they could get in touch with you with your radio, it, they didn't really care where you were and they could get a hold of you the next day. Now they want you to have your radio on you right away because you need to respond to something, whether it's a, a snow machine accident, an ATV accident, uh, a search and rescue mission. They want you there like yesterday. And as a supervisor, I wanted my people there yesterday too. Right. Because that's how you start facilitating, that's how you save lives is time. So you need time on your side. So it's 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 a boy. It's a dynamic thing that's that's going on, and it's it's been cyclic. I'm sure the the, the wardens of a hundred years ago could tell you the changes that they saw in their ten years too, from having all the trees cut and mm -hmm. you know open mm -hmm. land, uh, to the maybe the invention the first snowmobiles landed here in Coas County. Um, you know, and they, they saw that, and that had to be something very interesting. So, um, yeah, it, it's changed a lot, and the job is continually to change. Uh, Northwoods Law has actually done an awesome job in, in doing. Uh, they are awesome. I yeah. love that show. <laughs> they, they, they've, they've show you what the modern-day game warden does um, and entertain you at the same time. Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, things like this, talks like this, podcasts like this, give you insight into Andy's jobs, David's jobs, my jobs, and, and the how we work together on a specific area that we all, because there's guys just like us somewhere else, takes just as much pride in what they're doing somewhere else. So, Absolutely. But that, that's how it works. And I don't think the general public knows how how much we care mm -hmm. and how much we put into it. And that's that's really important. And that's really shown through today. So it's been been really cool hanging out with you guys and uh, thank you. putting Likewise. this all down. That's a great observation, Wayne. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Andy. So I'm going to kind of ask you a double double-edged question if okay. you're ready. So can you explain the relationship, and you've talked about it a little bit, between the public and, and the fisheries, and what do you foresee for our future for, for Coas County? Walleye. <laughs> 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 I, I tried that. Uh, uh, that's, that's kind of a broad question. Um, you know, for, for the most part, um, and anyone who hunts or fishes in New Hampshire is part of the management of, the, of the, their, you know, whatever it is they're pursuing. For example, you know, when you harvest a deer, you're part of the management, you know, and in fact, uh, all those numbers are, are predetermined, um, and, and it's done so in a way to, to best manage the species. So I think anglers, fishermen, are, are no different. Um, when they go out and uh, undertake the sport and abide by the rules, um, not only are they they're not causing a detriment to the resource, they're actually helping it, you know. And I've got a, I've got a list of at this point in my career, maybe 50 people that call me on the phone on a regular basis. Some of them I've never seen. I've never put a face to these guys and gals. Uh, but they, they say, hey, I talked to you in June, and you recommended Phillips Brook, and I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I went in there and I found this and I saw that. 
and and that's just fantastic. I mean, that's a that's a teamwork that uh, that that works in a positive direction. Because in any given year, I might not go into Phillipsburg, but now I've got a pretty good you know I can keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on there. Absolutely. So I've I found relationship with anglers to be ninety nine percent you know positive. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. We definitely like focusing on that positive. Absolutely. Sure. And I don't see any reason why that's really going to change. I mean, even with, uh, you know, you know, increases in uh, development houses and participation in the sport, basically, um, I think that we're going to maintain a positive relationship with anglers. Absolutely. That's mm. awesome. Thank you. Yep. And uh, lastly, I'll ask you one last question, then yep. I'm going to get to the other, the other men because we'll be wrapping up. So why is conservation on this note? Why is conservation in Coas County so important? Well, because I think... Well, it, it's important everywhere. Um, I think it's it's important in Coas County because residents of Coas County just have a, a greater connection uh, with with uh, the natural world than, than maybe you know folks living in Boston do. Uh, I Absolutely. think that uh, y you know uh, we we all for the most part grew up here. Mm -hmm. You know we, we know that that spending time outdoors was just as important as, as watching TV or it was just as, you know, fishing was just as important as Little League, you know, Absolutely. and uh, so I, I think our connection here in Coas County is greater. So for that reason, I think conservation needs, needs to play a greater role. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> And let's move to Dave. So I'm going to kind of ask you the same exact questions in, in a row. So can you explain the relationship between the public and the forest, and what do you foresee in the future? It'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. I've talked a fair amount about it and the, the people, the new people on the landscape and so forth. Um, I think based on what I saw this year in COVID, I think we're just going to need a, a greater effort in conserving large tracks of land small tracks are important too or, or putting multiple small tracks together and and conserving just so we have that space the things that andy talked about that are so important to people in coas county um those places to go and i think Absolutely. we're just going to have to there's going to be just continued sort of this evolution there's been an evolution since i started yeah. it, and i think it's going to continue you know for you know as much as possible conserve these tracks of land um, keep them open, keep them available for moderate amounts of, of recreation, timber harvesting, and so forth. And um, it, it should be very positive, I, I, but it's so very important because we really did see an uptick this year, and I don't sense that's probably going to stop. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of it. So um, we're going to need those, a, a combination of the private lands, the state lands, the federal lands, and so forth. Um, it's a tough question. <laughs> but as I think about well. the last 25 years, it has been an evolution. I mean, when I started, the paper companies owned the land or a bunch of the land. Now right. it's Timos and and those and and all these conservation easements in place. So it's a slow evolution, but I think it's we just need to keep the positive grind going. Absolutely. Um, to to make sure everybody's got a place to go and that there's you know there's management happening on those whether it's law enforcement or managing recreation vehicle recreation you know snowmobiles atvs and so forth fishing hunting um etc absolutely so you definitely would say that conservation especially in co-ops is very very important i don't know a person in co-ops who doesn't at some part of their life use the woods Absolutely. I, I don't. I don't think you'd survive here if you didn't. Because <laughs> Absolutely. Winters would get mighty long. For sure. Um, 
I I don't whether in and they may not they may ski they may not hunt or fish but they ski. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I own two hundred acres in in Lancaster Jefferson, and nice. um, it's it's open to to people and uh, the the tracks the ski tracks the snowshoe tracks. That most of them I don't even know. In fact, I informed a rabbit hunter this morning. He's like, "You going hunting?" Because I was just walking my dog. And I said, right. "Nope, I own the place." And he was he kind of like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "It's cool, man." <laughs> Go hunting. You know, I want that. Right. Um, That's so I'm nice just, of I'm you. I'm just walking the old blind dog. I'm not going to have any impact on the rabbits. <laughs> um, that, those days are over. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know anybody. And it, and it's just, it's going to be that much more important. And we just have to keep the steady thumb on the throttle. Um, Absolutely. Of just steadily making sure. You know, issues are taken care of, land is available, and so forth. For sure, absolutely. And I think and that's one of the best things at, at Coas County. I mean, that's the reason why I've, some I've take lived it for here and never left. Some take it for granted. It's beautiful. They just, you know, they just... It's, where else can you just go hunting, as you mentioned? Right. Absolutely. Where else can you just... I mean, somebody who's... Um, I knew for a long time before he sadly passed um, at a, a very, very ripe old age told me that if it's not posted and he was on the um, current use board so that if it's not posted it is assumed hunting is allowed yep where do you see that where else do you go where mm-hmm. you just you know and then the landowner might come out and say yeah i don't think so and you're like okay cool right but where else can you do that i agree like i feel so blessed you know i can walk right outside my door and i can i can fish the river i live on the river i can go fish the river i can if i want to go hunting i'll go in the backyard i'll go hunting you know if i want to ride my snow machine i hop on it i can go in the field and i'm right on the trail if i want to take the atv i literally just drive out my driveway go on the atv trail and it's it's so we're so fortunate i feel so blessed and so lucky to to live here and be where i am because it is a beautiful place and if you love being outdoors there's the options are endless here mm. absolutely and that's what attracts everybody else that comes here which what dave you know alludes to is there's lots there was an increase of uh visitors this 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 COVID season for sure and i think that's going to continue uh, a, a trend and that comes into enforcement uh, coas county is a gem because of its outdoor recreation, because of its ATV, its snowmobile, its off, uh, its mm-hmm. skiing, its hiking, it, it's all these outdoor recreations, and the state I think recognizes that. But you know, as far as enforcement, when it comes to numbers of officers, I think the state needs to beef up the North Country, because of that. Because there's no other place in the state that people go to do these things. Absolutely, um, all of them. You know, yeah. you can go to Winnipesaukee and go boating, but you can go to Pittsburgh. You can go boating. You can go hunting. You can go ATVing. You can Absolutely. go snowmobiling. You do everything there. You Pittsburgh's just amazing. I love there. Pittsburgh. Right. You <laughs> can do everything there. There's no other place like it. And, you know, sometimes that's what we need to do is let the people in Concord know that make these rules, make these decisions that, hey, there's no other place and this needs attention to mm-hmm. keep it the way it is. Absolutely. You know? Un- unfortunately, tragedy usually occurs and that's when action is taken. taken. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we certainly l- need to let them know, hey, we want to keep it the way it is. Yep. And in order to do that, we need some help. For sure. So whether it's... Uh, New foresters, new, you know, it's all of us. I mean, doing, working together. But when the job becomes bigger, you need a bigger force. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thank you. So you pretty much just talked about the relationship between the public and what you did. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, The thing is, we live here. Yeah. That's, and so I think 
public involvement needs to just continue. It's just it's Absolutely. very important. People need to not take it for granted and mm-hmm. just when these you know big whatever big lands come for sale or opportunities knock. If it's if a community has an opportunity to see grab a chunk of land and make it a community force, do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Absolutely. I mean Randolph did it. Um, several other towns have Gorham. done it in my Gorham, Gorham yep, in my time when I was Island. county forester. Yep. You know, the opportunity for community forests, mm. seize it, take it. Yes. Don't right. hesitate. Definitely. Um, it, it's because it's, it's, it's our life. Yeah, they're not making Absolutely. more. And this is our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It this is. is. This is what we, I can't think of one person at some point doesn't use the woods. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Wayne, I just want to hear your last final thought on why is conservation in Coas County so important? I know we've kind of already talked about yeah, it. Just give me your last final, final thought. You know, we're a destination place uh, to, to preserve our beauty, to preserve what people come here and enjoy. Um, it's conservation. It's wisely using the resource. And you had, you know, the two of the managers that are currently doing it, fisheries, uh, forestry, uh, that, that are putting these plans into act. Um, you know, you had the, the former lieutenant that, that, that enforced those rules and regulations to make sure they would adhere for conservation. These plans are put in place for everybody, for everybody to enjoy them. And that's what conservation is. It's it not is. just sit it there and let everybody look at it because eventually it's going to rot. You yep. know, it's to, to water it, to fertilize it, to maybe trim out a few trees to let the bigger trees grow and then trim out those. It's the small trees that the moose eat. Well, you just created those small the moose eats, you know, to look at those deer yards because in the North Country, deer are still yard. They mm-hmm. go to a place in they the do. winter so they can actually have to a place to eat. That's mm-hmm. that's uncommon because the further south you go, the less snow there is. Deer don't yard like they used to Absolutely. traditionally, and that that's definitely a change historically. You could talk about as well, Whitney, but it, it, it's conserving the North Country, trying to keep it the same. I think we've done a great job in the last hundred years of recognizing it. Andy pointed Absolutely. out a lot of stuff, water quality. Uh, you know, it's it's changing because I think we don't have the people that lived here. Uh, if you look historically, the turn of the century when the logging was booming, you know, mm-hmm. Berlin was a, a, a city of 50,000 people. That's down to 10. Absolutely. You know, you think about, you see those pictures with the trains used to people. You know, they, they'd come in from Littleton to go Christmas shopping in Berlin. Uh, That's it just, awesome. Yeah, it was just, the, it was a whole yeah. different environment. And they were cutting every tree that was standing, you know, <laughs> putting it down <laughs> right. the river and making stuff, like David said, Absolutely. you know. So that has changed to a destination recreation, to enjoying it. And now now we're, we're preserving that through easements, through management. And, yeah, that, that's conservation. Coas County, you can see the conservation. Just drive around, walk in the woods. You can see the conservation. The people that live here like that. The people that visit here like that. And for most part, we all want to keep it the same. So there's things we have to tweak along the way because things change. So we have Absolutely. to change to, to maintain that. But that is conservation, and that is Coas County. And we should be very proud of it. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you. That was a great ending. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. So again, this is Whitney Lewis, your host for the North Country Conservation Series. Please check us out. We have episode one, an introduction, episode two, diving a little more into the conservation aspect of these wonderful men and their jobs. And of course, this is episode three, kind of learning a little bit more about the history of Coas County. So please tune in and uh, thank you men so much for for being here. Again, we have Andy from New Hampshire Fish and Game, Dave Falk, 
Pokenham, for Forrester for Landvest, and also retired Lieutenant Wayne Saunders. Thank you, boys, so much. Or men, excuse me. <laughs> men, so much for being here today. I greatly appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. This podcast was recorded at Flume Media in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, check out our website, www.coascountyconservation.org, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter for upcoming events. The North Country Conservation Series was produced in 2021 to celebrate the New Hampshire Conservation District's 75th anniversary. Thank you, Governor Krista Nunu, for honoring 2021 as the Year of Conservation.